Good morning, church. Welcome as we gather together this weekend. We celebrate a God who loves us so much. Uh, this weekend as a country, we recognize Memorial Day. It's a, a day we, we think about those who have given their lives so that we can have freedom. And really, as a church, isn't that what we do every single week when we gather? We um, ultimately give thanks to God for the freedom we have through the sacrifice of Jesus. So we have much to be thankful for. As we continue our journey in post-resurrection appearances, uh, we see where Jesus shows up and he makes a difference in the lives of people. Um, this week, we're going to talk about unity and the disciples coming together uh, being empowered by Jesus and then the Holy Spirit. I kind of, I went to uh, John chapter 17 when I thought about unity. In fact, it was 37 years ago that we made a banner for uh, our wedding to be able to put up to really send the message of, of what we want in our marriage and in life. So I'd like to take you to John 17. I want to read the first five verses and then later on we're going to look at some more. Here's John 17. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you. As since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. Five different times in those first five verses of John 17, Jesus uses the word glorify. That was his purpose. That's why he came to this earth. And now we are called to glorify him. Let's pray. Oh, good and gracious God, we gather together in worship wherever we are today, and you've made a promise to be with us. Uh, from in this building uh, to people throughout this world, Lord, you have done everything necessary so that we can have life with you forever. So may the worship today, may all that we do express our thankfulness to you for who you are and how you love us. And we pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen.
One of my favorite images is a picture of a child taking in something that gives them joy. And you can see the smile, you know, ear to ear, and, and nothing else matters. For me, that is a, a description of what it means to give glory to God, to be so enamored, so enthralled with what God is and who he is and what he's doing that nothing else matters and we just give him glory. Now the truth is, because of sin, my sin, your sin, we don't, we don't always give God the glory. In fact, sometimes we are so distracted by the things of this, this world that we even forget he exists. That's sin. That sin is at its worst. And so God calls people like you and me to confess that kind of sin to him and to seek from him forgiveness and also the power so that we could move past this sin and to ultimately give him glory. So let's go to him in prayer. Oh, good and gracious God, we do come before you and we do acknowledge that you are all perfect, all loving, kind, compassionate. You are the giver of every good and perfect gift. And yet at times, more than we care to admit, we do not acknowledge you. We do not give you the glory. More often than we care to admit, uh, we take pleasure in the, the things of this world without acknowledging you as the giver of every good and perfect gift. So Lord, as we lay this sin before you, we pray that by Jesus, by all that he did on the cross and the empty tomb, you would bring to us forgiveness of sins and then empower us to live as your children so that our lives would give you glory. And Lord, that we would do that um, individually, yes, but also united as the body of Christ, celebrating your goodness and grace for all of us. So may your, you send your Holy Spirit right here, right now, wherever we are, into our hearts and to fill us with a joy and the sense of thanksgiving for all that you have done, are doing, and will do. Oh, Father, we pray all of this in the name of your Son, Jesus, our Lord, our Savior, our friend. Amen. As we continue now in worship, a couple things. Don't forget you could uh, submit your prayer requests because a little bit later in the service, uh, we will be taking those prayers to our Lord. And just a reminder, you could text your prayer request to 402-242-5051. Or if you're watching it on Facebook, you can put it right in the comments section. We have people monitoring uh, those prayers right now. So either way, just send your prayer request to us. And then also, as we've been telling you over the last several weeks, uh, we have several ways in which you can give to the ongoing ministry here at 1C. Again, whether it's going to uh, text to give, to online giving, to our church center app, there are opportunities for you to say to God, thank you for all that you've done. So if you would prayerfully consider that, we would appreciate that. Again, may all of this and the songs we sing, may all of this give God glory now and forever. Amen.
Father, uh, that song, uh, what a prayer. To be able to acknowledge you, uh, we, we know that we need your Holy Spirit. Uh, to acknowledge you as that good, good Father who cares for his children. And this day, this moment, we thank you for the ways in which you care for us uh, spiritually. You've given us your word, you've given us the scriptures to teach us who you are, how you love, and the desires you have for your children. And we thank you for the scriptures, but we also thank you for your Holy Spirit. Pour it out in a mighty way to bring us to a deeper understanding of the truth you have for us. So Father, may your Holy Spirit show up in a powerful way. Open up our eyes, our ears, our hearts to the truth of your word for us. And then give us the faith to live according to that word. So that what we do would give you glory. What we do would demonstrate our love, our thanksgiving, for all that you've done for us. Thank you again, Lord, and thank you for your grace, your mercy. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. We continue our journey in the theme of never alone. And ever since Easter, uh, it's been a, a focal point that God's desire is to be with his people, uh, to give them everything they need to deal with all sorts of situations and circumstances. And as we've seen Jesus show up after his, well, after his resurrection, he showed up to the disciples to deal with all sorts of things like doubt and 
trust and vision. I mean, and he just is faithful in doing that. Well, today we're going to continue this journey and we're going to look at the resurrection of Jesus means never alone and then this sense of unity. And uh, here's a, an image for, for you to consider. We left the disciples last week after hearing from Jesus that they're going to get the Holy Spirit and it's going to be powerful. Remember the dunamis that is going to give them the power to do what they've been called to do. And at, as we were kind of closing off, we get this image now of Jesus ascending up into heaven. And if you look at Acts chapter 1, you're going to see the account. And we find that the disciples were like this. They were gazing up into the heavens. It's like they didn't want that moment to end. And yet I also wonder if there was a sense of unbelief. Uh, this is surreal. Uh, there is, there's their Jesus, their friend, their Lord. He is now going to be going out of their sight and they're leaving. Wow. What are they going to do? Well, what God does is, again, he sends two angels, right? Two men in white robes. And they say, hey, <laughs> what are you looking at? What's going to happen is Jesus is going to come back again in the same way. And in other words, time to get moving, time to get going. And so I'd like to take you on a journey to explain a little bit of what was happening in the life of the disciples. And we go to Acts chapter 1, verses 12 and 13, and we're told this. They returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet. Okay, again, that's where they saw this Jesus ascending into heaven, which is near Jerusalem. And then it says, a Sabbath day journey. A little background to that. Uh, there were lots of laws that were given regarding um, how many steps you could take on a Sabbath day. And so when you see that phrase, a Sabbath day journey, it literally means a half a mile at the most. You can't go beyond that. So they took a Sabbath day journey uh, back to Jerusalem. And now when they entered, they went up to the upper room. Now, upper room, does that sound familiar? Yeah. I mean, how many times do we find the disciples in an upper room? We find them in the upper room on that Monday, Thursday. We found them in the upper room on Easter Sunday night, right? Remember, the doors were locked for the fear of the Jews. And then eight days later, we find them in the upper room again. And they were still fearful, and Jesus shows up. Uh, but now they go back to the upper room. It, it, it's a very important place for them. And where they were staying, Peter and John, James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the zealot, and Judas the son of James. They were together. What were they going to do now? Remember, they were supposed to wait there until the Holy Spirit comes. So what were they going to do? I'm thinking... They're going to do what Jesus taught them to do. And that's what we find. All these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer, together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. So here they are in one accord with devoting themselves to prayer. And I thought in light of where we're going to be going in two weeks, we're going to go through a portion of the book of Acts even more. I was wondering how much of a 
emphasis is prayer in the book of Acts. And how is it that maybe God uses prayer to unite and to empower? So what I did, and you won't be able to see it on the screen, but in, in small little print are, is what I'm going to read. But the emphasis is this. Prayer in the book of Acts changes lives. And I'm just going to read this list really quick. These are places and times in the book of Acts where you see these first followers praying. Okay, chapter 1, and then I'm just going to kind of make my way through. All of these with one accord in prayer. Apostles devoted themselves to prayer. They healed a man who was crippled from birth through prayer. Church prayed for boldness. The apostles said, we will give our attention to prayer. Stephen prayed aloud. Peter and John prayed. Saul prayed. Cornelius prayed. The church prayed for Peter. The leaders for Antioch church were fasting and praying. Paul and Barnabas prayed. Paul led Lydia to the Lord in, in a place of prayer and through prayer. Chapter 17, 18, 19, several different times. Paul's ministry being covered in prayer. Paul's prayer brought Eutychus back from the dead. Paul and his co-workers knelt down on the beach to pray. In verses 20, uh, chapter 22 to 26, we have Paul praying several times for many different circumstances. And then chapter 27, in the face of a storm, Paul prayed. And then last chapter, after the storm, Paul prayed for a sick man. One after another. Here they're praying, and they're, they're going before God in the midst of all kinds of circumstances. Yes, it was the beginning of the church. Yes, it was going to be brand new things, challenging things. But I really believe that they were following the leader. How many times did Jesus demonstrate this prayer life with his father in the midst of his brothers and sisters? It was part of the heartbeat of Jesus. And I'd like to draw your attention a little bit to what's called the, the high priestly prayer. And, you know, maybe it sounds a little um, unfamiliar, but John 17 is where we find the longest prayer recorded of Jesus. I'm sure he prayed more than what we have in the scriptures, but this is the one that John, remember? John, the beloved disciple, he captured this moment because there was something profound about this prayer with Jesus. Now, as I started out, right, Jesus talked about glorifying the Father, but he, he covers lots of things. Well, here's the context. So Jesus is now um, in the upper room. He celebrates uh, the Passover meal with the disciples, and then he gives them the gift of Holy Communion. Somewhere in this mixture... We have Jesus praying to his Father. And he is pouring his heart out. He is talking to his Father about what's on his heart and mind. And so I'd like to bring you to uh, a couple of the scriptures that we find. And, and hopefully you're going to get a glimpse of this. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Then he repeats himself. And I've said this before, maybe you've read this too, 
I think whenever God wants to get our attention about something really important, he repeats himself. So in the prayer, he just, it seems like he goes over this again. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. So again, a little repetitious, but I think it's Jesus praying to his Father about what is absolutely vital, what is absolutely important. And I believe it's this connectedness between unity and love. Jesus knows that when unity happens and love of God the Father is woven into that unity, fantastic things take place. And we're going to see this as we go into the book of Acts, how God does that. But I want to take you back to the time where we had that passage. In fact, I'm going to just go back to that. It goes like this. I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Uh, 37 years ago, we did make a banner that was going to be for our wedding. And uh, we displayed it proudly. And um, it was the message we wanted the people that came to our wedding to be able to see and to understand. And I, I don't know, Chris and I haven't talked about it much recently, but that concept of unity and love being evidenced in marriage, I think it's important. But just as much as God's desire is for unity and love, the enemy is trying to sit there and say, I want disunity, I want you not to love each other with God's love. And I'm going to admit, there are times, many times in marriage, where Kristen and I are experiencing a little bit of disunity. And she says, Jim, let's pray about this. And I've got this attitude that says, I don't want to pray. I want to talk this out because I want to win the argument. I think I'm, I lose sight of what God's desire is. Now, I don't always do that. But, you know, once in a while, I'm a little ornery and sin gets its best in me, and I forget about this, this desire that Jesus has, that he prayed about for his people, for people like you and me, not just 2,000 years ago, but today, 2020. Because he understands that unity and love will make a difference in one's life, but also unity and love will make a dif- difference in our community and in our world. And he wants that more than anything. Well, let me uh, bring you back many years. Uh, First century Roman Emperor Hadrian, okay, um, Aristotle said, they love one another. This is talking about the early church. They never fail to help widows. They save orphans from those who will hurt them. If they have something, they give it freely to the man who has nothing. If they see a stranger, they take him home and are happy as though he were a real brother. They don't consider themselves brothers or sisters in the usual sense, but brothers brothers instead through the Spirit of God. So it was noticed in the Roman Empire that this new band of brothers and sisters they, they acted differently. There was something unique about them. And I, I do believe it goes back to the answered prayers of Jesus, of unity and love. 
It was evidenced in what they did for one another and for the people around them. They were ready to share what God had given them to all kinds of people. Well, let me give you, this is another quote. Now, I wrote it down and I couldn't even find out where I found it from. But it goes like this. We as God's people and disciples of Christ are to be known primarily for this virtue and attribute. That we love one another and that we lavish love on others who are unlovely and unlovable. And I don't know about you. It's a lot easier to love the people who are kind of like us or people that are close to us. But to love the unlovable, that's tough stuff. But isn't that exactly what Jesus did? Remember, our sin, your sin, my sin, really causes us to be ugly and unlovable. It's, it's worse than leprosy of the Old Testament. And yet, what Jesus did, he said, I want to... I want to do this. I'm going to come down to this earth. I'm going to walk amongst these unlovable people. And I'm going to make my way to a place called Golgotha. And it's there where I'm going to put my, my arms out and I am going to, I'm going to die for them. That's the ultimate extent of love. Holding nothing back. Perhaps as we think about, you know, this scripture... You know, Jesus says, by this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And I think this is what happens when unity and love, God's love, is at the forefront of what we do as a church. We love because we've first been loved. And we take that love and we extend that love and we share that with family, friends, co-workers, neighbors, classmates, enemies. Yes, even enemies. And when we do this as a church, when we experience the unity that happens because of Christ, it is a force to be reckoned with. Just like the Roman emperor noticed in that first century. There was something different about the body of Christ. There's something different when brothers and sisters in Christ come together and take that love and extend it in real ways. Here's my challenge for all of us uh, today and tomorrow, perhaps this whole week. As we anticipate Pentecost Sunday next week, read John 17 several times. In fact, pray before you read that Jesus would help you understand the meaning and the purpose behind this prayer. And then pray that the Holy Spirit that is poured out in a powerful way 2,000 years ago at Pentecost is poured out in the same remarkable way today. And pray that that Holy Spirit would enable us to be united so that this world can know this Jesus. May God grant this all for Jesus' sake. Amen.
choices that I've made that I wouldn't make again. I've had my share of laughter, of tears, and troubled times. This has been the story of my life. I have won and I have lost. I got it right sometimes, but sometimes I did not. Life's been a journey, I've seen joy, I've seen regret. this morning. Father, we lift up our prayers to you. Prayers for the Dan Mahoney's family. May they celebrate his life. Prayers for the Columbus NA recovery community as they have lost a great man. Prayers for JC, Stella, Corey, and Ike as they battle with cancer. A prayer of thanks, Lord, for guiding us so that we do not get discouraged when things don't go as we planned. But when we look back, we see your hand guiding us down the path you chose for us. We thank you. A prayer of thanks for helping our daughter find the house you wanted her to have. Please guide the rest of the process and help everything go smoothly. A prayer, Lord, for the healing for David Gonzalez. A prayer for a friend and his wife as they work on their relationship. A 
prayer for my daughter and her fiance as they move and keep them safe and be with them as they make decisions. Prayers as we start coming together and meeting up with our families after two months of quarantine. Give us the wisdom to know how to approach it and with patience. Prayers of thanks and praise for an awesome pastor and band who have been there every week to provide just the message we need to hear. A prayer to be with my mom this Memorial Day as she remembers the loss of her beautiful baby girl. Prayers for my cousin Tara. May she continue and stay clean and that her doctor's appointment goes well. Continued prayers for Justin who is going through a tough time. Prayers, Lord, for the Chad Zertix family who is battling ALS and his family and his children. Thank you, God, for the blessing me with my adoptive Zinnel family, for all of the never-ending love and support from them all these years. A prayer of thanksgiving for my mom's recovery from COVID-19. Prayers that the rest of the family stays healthy. Prayer, a prayer to protect Tiffany Redford during this time as she works with the elderly and is in and out of the doctor's office with the elderly that she takes care of. A prayer for strength and comfort for the family and friends of Christian Schwager, who went with the Lord last Memorial Day. And thank you for getting us through this past year with the help and the power of prayer from others. A prayer for all those who have uh, given their life this Memorial Day. We just thank you, Lord, for the families and those who have sacrificed so much. We just ask you to cover them and bless them. We just honor them, Lord, with our prayers and our thanks. In Jesus' name, join me as we pray the, the Lord's Prayer that he taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. As we think about how prayer can unite us, uh, I, I think it's a gift God has given us. And I, I pray that you and me, we would use this gift more and more often every single day. Uh, what, a, what a beautiful time to be able to express what's on our heart and mind with each other. Another way in which we can express our unity is with the Apostles' Creed. Professing our faith in God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, who is intricately involved in our life. So let's take time right now and profess that faith using those words. I believe in God the Father Almighty maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, from thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, 
the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And may God grant us such a faith to experience that unity as brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, announcements. Just one announcement. But it's a little complicated. It's a lot of details. Uh, a lot of these are going to be found on our website or on Facebook. But as you've heard, May 31st, next Sunday, we're going to be gathering back together here at the Worship Center. So we're very excited about that. Uh, we're still going to be live streaming, but we're going to be very carefully inviting people to come back into God's house. So worship service times, 9 o'clock in the morning and 11 o'clock. And you're thinking, well, wait a minute. Wasn't it 10.30? It used to be. But we're moving it to 11 o'clock so that we can have some time between the services to be able to uh, sanitize and just make sure we're ready for the next group to come in. And then we also have rebroadcast services right here. And so that's going to be Sunday at 5 o'clock and then Wednesdays at 6.30. So the church is going to be open. We're going to welcome you in. Now, we're asking you, please to go to our website or to Planning Center Facebook. You'll find out how to do this. But we want you to reserve for the service in which you're going to come. Partly because we are going to limit the number of people in the worship center to 200 people. So once you re reserve, we know that you're going to be here and we'll be ready to meet you and greet you. Now, as you make your way here, you know, after you've made your reservation, you come, we're going to be having you come through the main doors and we're going to give you some instructions. Um, example, we are asking people to please practice social distancing. And I know that you've heard what that is. Six feet. And I know we're going to come back and we're going to want to hug each other, handshake each other. Uh, but we're asking for everyone's sake to please, please honor the social distancing as we make our way back together for worship. Uh, we also ask if you come with children to make sure the children stay close by you. Don't let them out and about. Always be with, with them during that time. And you will be ushered in and also you will be ushered out. And we're just trying to do this so that we can keep um, things in an orderly way as we gather together to worship. So, May 31st, next Sunday, 9 a.m., 11 a.m., we will be here and we will be worshiping. And then also the rebroadcast of, of putting the service up on the screens will be at Sunday at 5 and then Wednesday at 6.30. Don't forget to register in advance for the service. I think that's it. That's all the information I was going to give you. But again, go to our uh, website, Facebook page, and you're going to find more information for that. So now let me share with you the blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen.
like a ring of solid gold, like a vow that is tested, like a covenant of old, and your love is enduring through the winter rain and beyond the horizon. Mercy for today, faithful you have been.
Have a great Sunday, everybody. Go in peace and serve the Lord. This place is trying.